So I want to, first of all, before I dig into things, uh, you know, we've been going through this season of prayer. And, uh, you know, this, this idea that we have of prayer is not just, uh, or this, these messages that, that we're doing on prayer is not just so, because it sounds like a good idea or it's something we think like, hey, this would be fun. We're just going to talk on prayer. This is something that God has laid on our heart in this season. And it is really the fabric, it is the foundational fabric for what God wants to do in this next season. Jesus is, of course, the cornerstone. He's our foundation. But when we get this understanding of prayer, when we understand this concept of praying to the Father, and there's so many aspects of this. And so I just, but when we get this, this is literally the wineskin that's going to release what God wants to do in this next season. So I'm, in, I'm excited. I'm encouraged uh, by what God is doing. But uh, this morning, I feel like there's a, there's a message for all of us uh, that he has that I believe there's going to be some revelation, some insight that you're going to receive into walking into a greater authority. And the title of the, the message this morning is Prayer by What Authority? And so this is what we're going to hit on, is just understanding this greater authority that we're able to. And where does this, where does this authority actually come from? Uh, before I jump into it, I just want to mention two things. One, as we're talking about prayer, we have 10 days of prayer coming up. It's called 10 Days of Awe. And it's going to start on Rosh Hashanah, uh, which is September 20th. And actually, it's going to end on Yom Kippur. And so uh, we're going to go for 10 days. And, uh, and this is pretty cool. We're starting. So this is in partnership with a lot of churches around the Denver area uh, of different, different denominations and uh, some of them, uh, they're Jewish synagogues, and we have uh, Anglican churches and all sorts of churches. And so we're coming together, again, as the body of Christ. And it's an exciting time. But we are kicking it off. We're kicking these 10 days off for, for the Denver area. We're kicking it off here on the 20th of September with Todd White. So it all just kind of came together. Uh, so it is going to be an awesome night as we, as we start off with prayer on, on uh, Rosh Hashanah. And then I would encourage you to pray into this and just ask God, you know, as, as, as we've talked to our pastors and our, our team, just to say, hey, we want to pray and we want to fast during this time. We believe God is doing something. And even as we go through this period of 10 days, I believe God is going to reveal some things as to where we are going. And, and there's, there's a power released as well as when we, when we come into this place of just alignment with the Father's heart. And so this isn't like a, like, oh, gosh, we've got to pray and fast and we throw ourselves on the ground. This is just coming into alignment with the Father's heart. And a lot of times when we fast, Whatever it is that we're fasting, what we're doing is we're just we're taking away some of the distractions so we can focus on the Father. Yeah. And so ask God, just ask him, what do you want me to fast? Uh, and more than likely, it'll be football. But uh, <laughs> that was for my dad, so who would never fast football? <laughs> That's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on a serious note, ask God what you're supposed to fast and begin to, to fast that for those 10 days. And, and don't even mention it to anyone else. You know, you might have to tell someone you're fasting 
your, your wife or your spouse or something, your fasting food if you are, so they don't cook you a big meal and then you're like, sorry, I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> that could cause some problems too. So anyway, but the idea is this is between you and God. And so over these next 10 days, from the 20th of September to the 30th, so it's the evening of the 20th of September to the, to the morning of the 30th of September, uh, we're going to be praying and fasting. And, and it's, there's different locations where you can actually go, but you can pray and fast from anywhere. Uh, but we'll, we have uh, on the 28th of September, it's actually going to be at the Anglican Church uh, right here off of 86. So you can go up there at 7 PM. They're going to be just praying there. You can join them. Uh, also on the 23rd on Saturday, uh, you you can join Bridgeway, which is our sister church up in Denver off of Evans there, and, uh, and pray with them on that Saturday evening at 7 o'clock. And we have information out in the foyer if you want to find out more about this, these 10 days of prayers or 10 days of awe. Uh, also, talking about Todd White, who's coming here on the 20th, the day before that, we have, uh, he's going to be coming to Red Rocks along with Jesus Culture on the 19th. And so if you don't have your tickets yet, uh, grab your tickets. Uh, it's coming up here very quickly. And we've got Jesus Culture. We've got Sean Foyt, United Pursuit, Josh Girls. Um, it's going to be an awesome evening of just prayer and of worship before the Father. So those are my two uh, announcements there. Let's dig into this thing. Uh, let me just start, too, by just saying, I know in my sermons, sermons. Gosh, that's a weird thing to say. As I get up here and speak, as I share with you what God really puts on my heart, and this is what I do every week. This is not some like sermon I try to like impress you guys. I'm not up here to impress anybody except for one person. Uh, I'm really just going after the things of God's heart. And so as, as I prepare, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to share? What's on your heart? And and he begins to just download uh, just revelation. He just begins to download the things that I'm supposed to share. And so that's what I share. Sometimes there's a lot of information, and maybe I'm grabbing a bunch of stuff, and, and I know I throw it out there to you. But here's the thing is I don't believe it's my job to unpack it all for you. I will unpack some of it, but this is, this is not the, uh, you know, it talks about the milk and the meat. This is not the milk. This is actually the meat. And so we're digging into things. And what it requires is requires some chewing from you guys. And so uh, don't just swallow it, because you might choke on it. Uh, but chew on it. And, and look, let me just say as well, whoever's up here, whether it's me or Pastor JR or Pastor Jeff or but whoever is up here and speaking, like what we say is not necessarily truth. We do our very best, and, and by the fear of God, like we want to speak the truth. But we are not the word. And so I would encourage you in everything that is said, press into the word of God. Spend that time digging into it and saying, OK, is what he's saying, is this accurate? Is it, one, does it resonate with my spirit, with the Holy Spirit? And also, is it truth? Is it line up with the word of God? And if it, if it doesn't, throw it out. Don't accept it. But if it does, as you read the word, as you understand it, and, and this is in partnership with the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit that gives you, this is that, that, that truth with spirit. And when you get this together, when you get the word of God and you get the Holy Spirit together, he reveals these things to you. And he's going to do a much better job than I can. All I'm doing is just kind of like uh, getting you guys prepared, and then you guys dig into the word, and you, you extract that. 
And that's so much more valuable than just taking what I have. So hopefully you guys get that. It's a word of encouragement just to say, I want you guys to really spend the time digging into the word. Uh, and also, I'll just say, you know, when we have personal experiences, we, we want to base everything on, you know, we, we create this theology, which is really the nature uh, of God. But a lot of times we create our theology on our own experiences and on things that are said. So this is where be careful not to create them on those things. We only create your theology on the word of God and on spirit, on the Holy Spirit. And uh, so when offenses come, if I say something that it's easy, you know, you can get offended at and say, oh, I can't believe he would say that. My, my uh, encouragement to you and uh, I would say this, your mission, if you would choose to accept it, <laughs> is to not get offended, but to dig into the word. OK? I got four OKs. Good. We got four people that are good with it. The rest of you, well, we'll just see how it goes. Here we go. Uh, I want to start off with, uh, l- let me just give you kind of this overview. The, the word says that when we pray, in the name of Jesus, that our prayers are answered all the time, every single time. So let me ask you, when you pray in the name of Jesus, are your prayers answered every time? I'll answer for you, no. (laughs) They're typically not, at least not the way we would expect it. And so then the question is, 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 is the word of God wrong? Is it, you know, it's, is something off there? Maybe, maybe God missed it on this one. <laughs> he was right on a lot, but, you know, he can't be right on everything. That's right. Now, or is it just that maybe we have a lack of understanding in that area? And so when we have a lack of understanding in an area, what do we do? We don't go to people we go to the Word, and we ask the Holy Spirit to begin to show us these things. So this is what we're going to dig into. I'm going to have a lot of scriptures in here. I would encourage you, write them down, and then spend this week. Go through them. Go through them by yourself. Go through them with your spouse, with your family, with your life group. But spend the time digging into this, pressing into this, seeing what God has for us in this season. All right. I want to start with, first of all, knowing where our authority comes from. It's important that we understand this. Uh, Our authority comes from the Father, through Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. That's the crux of it. But let's let's back up now. And first of all, let's look at Jesus' life when when he was a young boy all the way up uh, before he started his ministry, which was up to the age of 30. And it says in Luke 2 that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in the favor of God and man. So he was growing up. He had favor of both God and man. Uh, he was teaching in the synagogues. Uh, but he had not started his ministry yet, not until he was 30 years old. And what happens is uh, he's walking along, and he sees John the Baptist. And he goes, and he's, he gets baptized by John the Baptist. And as he gets baptized by John the Baptist, uh, he comes out of the water, and it says that the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And this was the point where the, basically he became Holy Spirit empowered. 
This was at the age of 30. I, I always question, well, why, does, why did it... Why was he 30 years old? Like, why didn't he start it when he was 20? He could have got an extra 10 years in there, maybe, and really done some work. I, I don't know. That's, you know, we'll figure, we'll find that out. Maybe you guys know, but I, I have no idea. But he was 30 years old. The Holy Spirit comes upon him like a dove. And, Jesus, and the Father says this about the Son, and everyone hears it. He says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. First time it's documented in Scripture. He doesn't say it before that point. But he receives the Holy Spirit. He says, that's my son. And I am well pleased with him. He's done nothing up until this point. But he's received the Holy Spirit. And so what happens after that? Does he go out and start doing all the miraculous things? No, he actually goes into the wilderness. The Spirit leads him into the wilderness for 40 days of hell, where he's tempted in every way. And then he comes out of that after the 40 days in the power of the Holy Spirit and begins three years of an amazing ministry. This is where he begins to cast out demons. He begins to do miracles. You see healings. He preaches with an authority that people are blown away with. He draws in the thousands. And then he preaches something crazy and everybody leaves. But that's, a, that's for another day. We'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, but this is, this is interesting. So he has this, this authority. But where does this authority come from? It comes from the Father himself and only the Father, out of obedience to the Father. So I just want to look at this. You know, you can look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. All the Gospels talk about this. But I think John does the best job. There's just this, you understand this intimacy between the Father and the Son, more so than in any other book. And uh, so here it is in, in John 5. I'm just going to run through a few scriptures. You could go through, you can pretty much open to John, and you'll find something about this uh, anywhere. But um, in John 5:19, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. So this sets the tone. He's not doing anything on his own. He's only doing what he sees the Father doing. In John 8, 28 and 29, it says, I do nothing on my own, but speak what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And I love this scripture because you see the Father saying, you know, when he's, when, the, when he's baptized with the Holy Spirit, you, you see him saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then you see Jesus responding here and saying, I will always do what pleases the Father. This is the way we are supposed to live our lives. Jesus is actually the perfect example of how we are supposed to walk on this earth. Now, are we going to be able to walk just as Jesus did? No. But, but by the power of the Holy Spirit that is living on the inside of us, we have a much better chance of doing it. It's not through our own abilities. It's not through our own power. It's by him. In Luke uh, 12, 49, he says this, For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. So again, we see this where 
Jesus is not doing anything on his own. He's only doing what the Father tells him to do. He's hearing the Father, he's in communion with the Father, and he's being obedient to the Father. He is in complete obedience to the Father. So I want to take you now to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And this one I'd love for you to open up. If you have your Bibles, open them up. Uh, if you have your iPads or whatever, you can follow along there. We'll have it up on the screen. But I, this is where I like, begin to take notes here, begin to understand this. And we're just going to go from 17 up through chapter 6, verse 2. And I want to unpack this for you. I believe this is, this is kind of the, the story here uh, with an understanding of who the Father is to the Son, who the Son is to the Father, and who we are to the Son and to the Father. And so this is this relationship kind of all in one. So as we walk through this, just follow along. In verse 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or a new creature. So what does it require? First of all, it requires that we are in Christ. And out of that, we actually become a new creation. We're no longer who we were before. It says, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And we saw the representation of that just over here this morning. As you go down, you're buried in the sin, and you come up as a new man, as a new woman, as a new person in Christ Jesus. We're no longer who we were, but now we live in Christ. It says, all this is from God, who through Christ... So first of all, all of it is from God, understanding that. Everything is from God. But then it says, through, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So it's through Christ that we are reconciled, that we are brought into right standing with the Father. That's it. There's no other way. And then, this is cool, he says, and gave us this ministry, the, the ministry of reconciliation. So the same thing that Jesus did, now we carry, he has given it to us, this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself. And that is happening through us. It says, not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So guess what? Who's entrusted with it? That's us. And then this is... This is the part right here. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's who we are. We are to live as ambassadors for Christ. And an ambassador is someone that basically uh, does something for someone else. We don't work on our own accord, but we work in accordance, in, in this case, with Jesus for the glory of the Father. says, God making his appeal through us. So he's making his appeal. He's, he's crying out to all of creation through us to bring this reconciliation. It says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he, being God, made him, Jesus, to be a sin offering, to be the sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is a powerful statement. It's the foundation of everything. It's why we're here. If we don't have that reconciliation with the Father through Jesus Christ, man, we're spinning our wheels, wasting our time. And then this is just a cool part here. This, as it goes into chapter 
6, it says, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in the time, in the favorable time, I listened to you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time, and now is the day of salvation. Now is the time I'm going to listen to you, and now is the time I'm going to help you. And this happens through the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. This ties right into the next scripture I have here, which is 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. So, so it is through Christ that we are reconciled. It's through Christ that we come into that relationship with the Father. And then this is what we get in return. It says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us. He set the seal of ownership on us and put the Spirit, His Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, in our hearts as a deposit or as a down payment guaranteeing what is to come. Point here is that we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. This is the seal of his approval, of saying, this is, these are my kids. They are sealed with the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. There's an authority that we have through that. In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, something very similar, Paul says it this way, in him, Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, so this is the key here, there is this, there is this believing in him. We have to believe in him. You guys understand that? Once that happens, then it says we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Or in another translation, it says until God redeems his possession. I like that one better. It's like God's going to say, okay, I'm redeeming it now. And everyone who has the Holy Spirit, that's my, these are the people. These are my people. And then it says to the praise of his glory. And in everything we do, it is always to the praise of his glory. Okay. This just sets the stage. So it is through faith in Jesus, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, and so our authority comes from this faith in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So now, what authority do we actually have? What authority do we carry, and how do we now walk in this? Uh, how often do we, when we end a prayer, do we say, in Jesus' name, amen? Whether it's, you know, you're praying for the meal or you're praying for whatever it is, it's always just, in Jesus' name, amen. Right? Could be a long prayer. And as soon as they say, in Jesus' name, amen, or in Jesus' name, you're like, oh, prayer's ended. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Sometimes we kind of, we put this on as a tagline to the end of our prayers. This is not meant to be a tagline. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is an authority that is carried when we use the name of Jesus. But we have to understand this. And sometimes I feel like, like often we, we, we just kind of take things for what they are, like, you know, whether we grew up with it or whether we just heard it in church, and we just begin to repeat it because, hey, that's what everybody else is doing. But we don't actually come into that greater understanding of, well, what, how does this actually work? What is this, and why do we do it? 
when we come to the Father in the name of Jesus, which is above every other name, we come to God as a representative or an ambassador of Christ with the seal of the Holy Spirit. We don't come on our own behalf. And we come to fulfill the will of God. We come with no personal agenda. And here's the thing, what, what, this is what I see sometimes, is that we, we have this magic saying in Jesus' name, and we use it to satisfy our own personal gain. And it's not necessarily to the glory of God the Father. And so we have to be real careful about that. James 4, verse 2, talks about this. It talks about, it says, actually, I can, I can read it to you. I have it down here. It says, uh, and it's a strong statement. It says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And he says something pretty strong. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? That's a strong statement, but that's, that didn't come from me. <laughs> so don't, don't get mad at me. Uh, I want to tell you a story here. This is uh, kind of ties into this. You guys know who Paul Harvey is? A few of you? The older ones? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know Paul. Uh, so Paul tells, he told this story. He was a news reporter. He told this story of a three-year-old boy at a grocery store with his mother. And so I'm just going to tell, tell this story. Uh, it says, the mother sternly told the three-year-old boy before entering the store, no chocolate chip cookies, so don't even ask. In the store, she put him in the little child's seat in the cart, and they wheeled down the aisles. He was quiet until he got to the cookie aisle, and he saw those delicious chocolate chip cookies. And he stood up and he said, Mom, can I have a chocolate chip cookie? With a strong voice, she came back and said, I told you not to even ask. No. He sat down. They went down the aisles. But later, they had to go back to the cookie aisle again. And so again, he asked. And she told him, sit down and be quiet. I said no. So finally, arriving at the checkout lane, the little boy knew that this was his last chance. He had to do something quick. And so he stood up in his seat, and he shouted as loud as he could, in the name of Jesus, may I have some chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> Paul Harvey goes on to say, everyone around him began to laugh and applaud the little boy. And because of the generosity of the other shoppers, the little boy and his mother left the grocery store with 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> I don't think this little boy actually understood the meaning of in the name of Jesus. But he knew that there was power in it. He knew that much. And man, I can tell you, after getting 23 boxes of cookies, he really knows the power in it. <laughs> Here's the point. <laughs> Is there a point? Uh, you know, many times we just we do these things out of just this is what we hear. And so I, I want to encourage you, though, to, to gain this deeper understanding of these things. And, and there are things that we do and that we say that are not biblical. And, and so as we just, I feel like 
this is just a challenge for us to begin to, to question all of these things that we do. And, and the only way we're going to see whether this is what we're supposed to do is, is get into the scriptures, ask the Holy Spirit, and let him show you if, if the things that we're doing, we're supposed to be doing. And if we are, how are we supposed to be doing it? Otherwise, let's stop doing it. Let's eliminate the distractions and focus on the Father. So I want to walk through with you now just this understanding of in my name. This is what Jesus says and, and the power of it, but where this comes from. And so in John 14.10, we have these scriptures, and I'm going to go quickly through these. It says, the words I say to you are not my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me. This is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, who is doing his work. Now, if you jump down to verse 12 of chapter 14 of John, it says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Now, it's funny. You go back to, to verse 10. It says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. What is he saying? He goes, I don't do anything on my own. I only do what the Father says and, and tells me to do. So this is the, the relationship here. We understand that, that yes, we're going to do what the Father's been doing or what Jesus is doing, which is what the Father's been doing. Clear? Okay. It says, we will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. This is the in my name. So in the name of Jesus, it says, I will do whatever you ask so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Key part right here that we need to understand. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. In everything we do, it's for the glory of the Father. It says, ask, so you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. In John 14, 23 and 24, Jesus says this, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings or my word or my commands. It says, my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And he says this, he who does not love me will not obey my teachings. Let me explain here that I know the obedience that, that Jesus had with the father came out of love and not obligation. If we're coming in the sense of obedience out of obligation, we're missing something. And a lot of times we think, oh my gosh, to obey, like we, talk, we think of our parents and all the things that, uh, like the way that we have to do this. And man, if we, if we don't obey, guess what's going to happen? You know, we get the hammer on us. That's, that's not our Heavenly Father. He loves us. We have grace. There is a grace. But his desire is that we come into this place of obedience. And it's actually out of this place of obedience that we begin to walk in a greater authority. But it only comes through the love that we have for the Father, which actually comes from the love that he has for us. I'll explain this a little more in a minute. But in John 15, 5, Jesus says something very important. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. So basically, you're nothing without me. Uh, he says, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, he will do absolutely nothing. Now, does this, a lot of times, like, we don't fully understand it. It's like, well, I'm still going to do things. 
Like, even if you're not abiding in the vine, like, you will do things on earth. There are things, and this is, this is something I want us to begin to understand here, is that there's, there are two realms, and I'm going to talk about this in more greater detail here, but there is, this is the heavenly realm. There is a spiritual realm, a supernatural realm that Jesus is talking about throughout Scripture. And then there's this earthly realm over here, the, the worldly realm. The worldly, the, the way that we see things in the world. And throughout Scripture, Jesus confused people. Uh, he confused the disciples. He confused the, the elders and the teachers of the law. And he said things like, uh, if you destroy the temple, I will rebuild it in three days. And, you know, they're looking at Jesus going, are you kidding me? It took 46 years to build this temple. There is no way you're going to rebuild this thing in three days. But Jesus wasn't talking about the actual physical temple. He was talking about the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Father. And so that, and, and you see that Jesus, you know, he was, he died, and he comes back in three days. And so it was a prophetic word of, of what he was going to do as the temple was destroyed, and it was rebuilt in three days. Um, all right. I want to take you guys to a story here. Uh, feel open up to Acts 3. This just is going to give you a greater understanding of this, uh, of the name of Jesus Christ, the power of the name of Jesus Christ. It's a fun story. Uh, it's a story right after the day of Pentecost, where you had uh, the Holy Spirit came upon them, empowered them. And, uh, and now you have John and Peter, and they're walking. Actually, let me just open Instead of trying to tell you the story, I'll just read it. So Acts 3, starting in 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. And there was a crippled man from birth who was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. It says where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So interestingly, this, you know, Jesus and the disciples probably walked past this guy a number of times. And there was no healing that happened with this man. But it was at this point in time. And, and, you know, I just say, a lot of times we always think in our own understanding, well, like, like, this needs to happen and it needs to happen right now. God has his perfect timing for everything. And so instead of trying to create our own theology and create our own, well, this needs to happen, it needs to happen right now, all we do is we, we come into the will of God, and, and, uh, and that's it. So in this situation, God had a perfect timing for the healing of this man. And this is what happens. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him. So here he is. This guy's still being carried in. A lot of times, like, I always thought, well, he's sitting on the ground. He's actually still being carried in. And he sees Peter, and he sees John, and he's like, hey. You're going to give me some money? And, uh, and they look at him, and Peter says, look at us. And so the man gave him his attention, expecting that he was going to get something from him. And then Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I will give you. And then he says this, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
He understood the power of the name of Jesus and the authority that he carried by using that name as a representative, as an ambassador of Christ. And when he said those words, he he says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went around with them in the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And it says, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as you read on here, uh, you would think like everyone's going to be really excited, especially the, uh, the elders and the teachers of the law. And they'd be like, man, that was so awesome what you did. What do they do? They throw him in jail. It's like, dude, really? Like, I just, we just healed this man. We brought him up. And now they're in jail. And, and I just want to encourage you that when you begin to step out in the authority of Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit on behalf of the Father, you're going to run up against the enemy. There are going to be things in your life where this doesn't bring us into a place of like kind of kumbaya. And we just go, wow, I've got the authority now where we have a greater understanding and life is good. We actually come into a place of now battling the enemy at a greater level because the enemy sees the authority that we carry. And man, there's going to be an attack on our lives. So not to scare you guys, because we have authority because of Jesus in all of these areas. But there will be attacks. There will be things that come against us. And so be aware of that as you begin to walk in this authority, as you begin to do this, that, that there will be attacks of the enemy. It's not like everything just is, you know, you walk through life and everything's great. Peter and John are thrown into jail. But regardless, uh, while they're in jail, they, be, they continue to preach the gospel. And so this is what, this is what he says in uh, chapter 4, verse 7, in the second part there. It says, uh, and Peter and John had been brought before them, and, began, and they began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? And so they realized that there was a healing that happened here, but they're like, what authority do you have? What power do you have to do this? It says, and Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if you were being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. That's pretty cool. Then he goes on to say, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. This is the name above every other name. This just begins to show us the power of the name of Jesus when we use this name in an authoritative way, understanding our position, just like Jesus did, just like the disciples did. That we work according to the will of the Father for the glory of the Father. In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, this is the power in the name of Jesus. It says, therefore, God has highly exalted him, being Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, 
God actually gave him this name. It wasn't like, you know, Mary and Joseph said, hey, we're going to call him Jesus. This was the name that God had given him. The name above every other name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we understand here that we have this authority in the name of Jesus, which is founded in our belief in him and confirmed by the seal of the Holy Spirit, which is inside of us, to the glory of God the Father. But this authority requires responsibility, and it requires an obedience to him, it requires surrendered hearts to the Father. We need to, we, we just, we've got to get this part. I want to take you into 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. And this is the crux of it right here. If we get this, it, it's, going to, it's going to change everything. Uh, and so follow along with me. Uh, I just feel like there's some, there's some revelation here that we're going to begin to understand that we haven't understood fully in the past. So I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to go back through it and explain it to you. And, and these verses, man, it just, we need to spend some time just meditating in, in, on these verses. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. There is a lot to this, but I want to I show you some things here which I think are going to possibly blow your mind. We'll see. So here we go. First part is, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, which means they're not of this world. They're not fleshly. But they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Let's go back to this thing over here. We have right here, this is the heavenly realm. This is the supernatural. And then over here, we have this earthly realm. And a lot of times, what we do is we focus over here. We focus on the things over here. And, and this is where we fight our battles. And whether it's sickness, whether it's disease, whether it's uh, with people or whatever situation, whether it's with finances, it's all being fought over here. And we need to get this. We need to understand this, that this is where we are supposed to fight these battles. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We war over here. We fight every battle over here. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So we do not fight here. We do not fight against flesh and blood. But we're fighting over here against principalities and powers, authorities in the spiritual realms, in the heavenly realms. Okay? That's, that's the first part. We have to, if we don't understand that, then we don't understand the battle we're in. So in every area of our life, we do not fight here. We don't have authority here. This isn't where we have the authority. We have the authority over there. 
And when we walk in the authority over here, we release the kingdom of heaven over here. But it's fought over there. This is such a critical piece to get. Okay. Let me just read in Mark 16, 17. Here's another, just to tie into this. It says, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents in their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. All of that is ta- it's, it's over here is what we're talking about. It's not talking about picking up a real serpent and saying, ah, <laughs> you will not hurt me. No, it's talking about in the demonic realms and the things that we face and the things that we fight. We are fighting them over here, and they will not harm us. In Luke 10, 19, it says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to come, overcome all the power of the enemy, and nothing will by any, mean har- any means harm us. Again, it's not talking about the little serpents that, that we see out you know, when we're walking around. It's talking about the demonic forces. It's talking about the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And this is where we have our authority. So if we're fighting over here, we are missing it. If we're fighting over here, we are taking the battle here. We're winning the battle here, and we're seeing the results over here. So let me go on, because this is the cool part right here. It says, casting down. So we can throw that scripture back up. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So this is what we have the ability to do, is when we understand the knowledge of God, when we look at the word of God and we dig in and we have this greater understanding, our, our authority comes from a greater understanding. When we get this understanding, it's kind of like, you know, I'm a civil engineer. I, had, I have a degree in engineering. I've got a, 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 an actual license to stamp plans. That doesn't come from just the state of Colorado going, hey, you seem like a nice guy. Here's a stamp. That comes from an authority that was gained by gaining an understanding in this area. And so as we gain the understanding in these areas, we walk in greater authority. But it comes from this greater understanding. So this is against the knowledge of God. But here's what we have the ability to do. We have the ability to cast down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So when there's a situation over here where there's Somebody has cancer, there's a sickness, there's something going on. We don't fight it over here. We say, we come over here and we say, look, this thing has tried to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. And when it, ex- when it tries to exalt itself above the knowledge of God, we can cast it down because of the authority we carry in Jesus Christ. You understand that? Like, this is, this is, I feel like there's just some revelation here that we need to gain, that we need to understand. Put, if you'll put that up again. So let's read this second part. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. That's over here. The weapons that we have, they're mighty in God, not because of who we are, in God, for pulling down these strongholds. So as we walk as an ambassador of Christ, This is where we cast down every argument, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So when you pray for someone and you come into a situation, regardless of what it is, you look at the knowledge of God and you say, if this thing is exalting itself above the knowledge of God, 
man, it is coming down. And so we take care of it over here, and we see the effect over here. Got it? I hope so. <laughs> we fight evil with the word of God. We don't fight evil over here. We fight it over here. And this is where we pull out the sword of the spirit. We've talked about the armor of God. And the sword of the spirit is such a key piece to this. In order to operate with the sword of the spirit, we have to have an understanding of the word of God. And so I want to encourage you, begin to learn how to use this sword. That we would speak the word of God. And when we speak the word of God over anything that would exalt itself above the knowledge of God, it will be cast down. It cannot stay. And this is where we see when you ask anything in my name, it will be done. When you acknowledge that this has raised itself up against the knowledge of God, and we say in the name of Jesus, we come as an ambassador of Christ, and we come against those things, we tear those strongholds down. And we see the results. We see the healing. We see whatever it is. It may be a situation of just a vision of, of offense, of whatever it is. Don't fight the battle here. Fight it over there, and you'll see the results over here, I promise you. Last thing I want to do is just tell you this quick story, uh, which ties into this. In, in 1869, there was a news reporter named Henry Stanley, and he set out to find this awesome missionary and explorer named Dr. David Livingston who had kind of gone off the grid for six years. And uh, they weren't sure if he was even alive. And so Stanley was sent to prove that he was still alive in Africa. And so in, in uh, 1871, he actually found Livingston, still alive. And, uh, and they ended up working together. It's funny, he wasn't even a Christian when he came over. And uh, he obviously became a Christian as he, as he came over with David Livingston, and, and they did ministry together and impacted the continent of Africa. But here's what happened. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Uh, during this expedition, Stanley came into contact with a powerful a African tribe. And there was a chief that was determined that Stanley would not, that he should leave and not return. His interpreter was able to uh, coerce him or suggest to him that he should make a covenant with this chief if he wants to get through this area. And so he ends up, he makes the, this covenant. He negotiates with the chief. And then they have this ceremony of a blood covenant. And at the end of the ceremony, when it's concluded, there's this, there was this exchange of gifts that was made uh, to each other of something of great value. And so what the chief wanted was Stanley's goat. He had actually brought a goat along with him, uh, which provided milk for his stomach disorder. And then in return, what the chief gave Stanley was, uh, was a spear with a copper coil on it. And so Stanley reluctantly gave the goat, and he took the spear after much persuasion from the guide, because if he hadn't done it, it would have been a bad day uh, for the guide and for Stanley. <laughs> and, uh, but he reluctantly took this. He was not very happy with the exchange. You can imagine. Uh, he has this goat, which is basically kind of keeping him alive. He loses the goat, and he gets this stick. 
He's like, well, what, what am I doing with this stick? This is not a fair exchange. But what Stanley didn't know was that the chief, this chief, was actually the most powerful chief in all of Africa. He had the most powerful tribe. And so he had now made a covenant with this chief. And so he soon discovered wherever he went in Africa, so he was given access uh, past this chief and past this tribe. And wherever he went, this spear was recognized as a symbol of authority. And tribes would literally bow their knee to the spear. The spear proved to be much more powerful than the goat and was actually the key that opened up the continent of Africa to Stanley and Livingston for the gospel to spread. Any tribe that tried to stand against Stanley knew that they not only had to deal with Stanley, which would have been pretty easy to deal with, but he had to deal with the most powerful chief in all of Africa. This was his blood brother. This covenant was actually carried on for three to four generations after that, was respected for three to four generations, and had a huge impact in the gospel being spread throughout the continent of Africa. Here's the thing I want to say. We are now in a covenant relationship with the Father through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus Christ. We now walk in this relationship with the Father having the seal of the Holy Spirit upon us. We have this Holy Spirit that is with us, that gives us the power to act in accordance with the will of the Father on this earth. Not my will, but thy will be done. And then if you, if you, you know, the, the prayer is on earth as it is in heaven, with the will of the Father, in the Father's will. So here's the deal. We carry this spear. We carry the king's spear. All of us, if we believe in Jesus, if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we carry the king's spear. But I believe a lot of us don't realize what we have in our hand. I want to encourage you to gain a deeper understanding. And as we gain this deeper understanding, we gain greater authority to where we can cast down anything that would exalt itself above the knowledge of God. Got it? All right. Let's stand. Love you guys. I'm going to pray. First of all, I'll tell you what. If you just... Stay standing, just bow your heads. And I want to just give anyone who does not know Jesus, does not have this covenant relationship, is not walking in this, this authority, is not carrying the spear, I want to give you an opportunity right now just to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so as we just bow our heads, if that's you, if you're saying, man, this morning, there's something that I've, I've realized that, yes, today is the day that I want to begin this covenant relationship with the Heavenly Father. Man, he is drawing us to him all the time. He wants every one of us to be in the kingdom. And so I don't, I, I don't want to miss an opportunity as the, as the heavenly realms will cheer and have a party with every single person that comes into the kingdom. 
This is so much more important than anything else is coming into a relationship with the Heavenly Father, that we would have eternity with our Father. We walk in, in, in a great place of authority now on this earth, but even more importantly, our joy is in our salvation. Our joy is in nothing else but in our salvation. So with every head bowed, I just want to give you an opportunity now. If that's you, if you, want, if you say yes, I want to come back to him. I want to receive him for the first time. Would you just raise your hand? Just in his acknowledgement to say, yeah, I want to I wanna come to the Father. and Put it up high so I know. I see it. Okay, I don't see any hands, so... If that's you, wave your hand. Otherwise, we're going we're gonna to move forward. All right, let's do this. So will you just put your hands out? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your revelation that comes to us on a moment-by-moment basis. Lord, I thank you that knowing that we will never fully understand you because there are so many facets of who you are. There's so many different areas of understanding of who you are. But Father, I thank you that as we, as we go through different struggles in life, as we go through different things, Lord, you begin to show us in those areas how we gain strength and how we gain authority in those areas. And so Father, I thank you for the things that each person has gone through. They actually carry a greater authority in those areas because of that greater understanding. And Lord, I thank you as the body of Christ that we would come alongside each other, that we would use the things that we know that we have come into this greater authority, and that we would, we would come alongside others that are struggling in those areas. Lord, I pray that in this season you would show us how to use the spear that we carry. Lord, as we walk with you, as we only do the will of the Father, Lord, as through that understanding of the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit empowers us and shows us the will of the Father, Lord, I thank you that we will abide in you and that in that there will be much fruit. Lord, I thank you for this understanding of when we see things in the spiritual realm that do not line up with the word of God, that try to exalt themselves, that exalt itself above the knowledge of God. Lord, that we would take a stance, that we would come into a place with the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus that is above every name, and we would cast those things down. Lord, I thank you that you're going to show us how to walk in a greater authority now, today, in this time of salvation. Father, thank you for what you're doing, and I just pray your blessing over each person here in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Bless you. Have an awesome day. I want to say we're going to have prayer. We've got prayer teams up here. If you want prayer, uh, don't miss out on the opportunity. We'll have people to pray for you. Uh, also, we've got the, uh, uh, the boxes in the back. If you uh, came in late, you can put in your prayer requests, praise reports, uh, tithes and offerings can go in there. Have an awesome week in him. Carry the spear and go in his authority. God bless you. Love you.